Welcome to The Backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club, Matt Considine. Today we have the third and final installment in our new member roundtable series in which we take a topic or geography, maybe a concept or an idea, and we toss it out there on the table to be discussed amongst a collection of New Club's most esteemed members. We're all esteemed. These guys are real esteemed. This particular series focuses on the world-class golf, culture, and traditions of the game's native language. Yes, we're talking Scotland, and we're talking about Scottish Lynx golf. The first episode in this three-part series focused our attention on East Lothian. In our second episode, we headed to the mountain ranges of the Scottish Highlands. And now, in our third and final installment in the series, even though we get a little off track from time to time, we mostly focused our attention on Fife and the home of golf in St. Andrews. Amongst the occasional chaos in this one, I think you'll find a few nuggets of both insight and inspiration. Be sure to tune in next week when we welcome onto the show two of our newest ambassador members, both hailing from the town of St. Andrews in Scotland, founders of Adamson Links, and my fellow members of the New Golf Club of St. Andrews right there along the 18th of the old course. We welcome Graham Dalton and Andy White, who will be joining me to unveil some special news and a new tradition of New Club, something I'm very excited to finally get out there and release for a group of our members in 2023 and for many years to come. So don't miss that one. Uh, that's next week. But today's episode of The Bag Drop would not be possible without our friends and partners from True Temper, Golf Blueprint, and this July's official partner of the summer medal in northern Michigan, Journeyman Distillery. Golf and whiskey go together like, well, the perfect twosome. Journeyman's Silver Cross Four Grain Whiskey hails its name from a medal that was given out in the early days of the Open Championship. This medal would later come to symbolize friendship, tradition, camaraderie, and spirited competition. In that same spirit, Journeyman has created a tradition they call Four Grains for Golf, and they donate 1% of all sales from this whiskey back to various golf charities and organizations that help teach kids the game of golf and its intrinsic values. Kids also get to play free at Welter's Folly, a 30,000-square-foot real grass putting green built by our very own ambassador, Craig Haltom, right there in the backyard of the distillery in Three Oaks, Michigan. It's modeled after the famous Himalayas golf course in St. Andrews, and let me tell you, he did a pretty good job. Journeyman offers an extensive portfolio of handcrafted spirits and have a true sense of place. They utilize all locally sourced Midwest organic grains and use unfiltered, untreated water from an underground aquifer right there in Three Oaks, Michigan. So stop by and check them out on your next road trip or see their full line of spirits over at journeymandistillery.com. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Gentlemen, John Chung, John Ballou, Chris Wong, Mark Caldwell. Welcome to the bag drop. Good Thank to be you. here. Good Great. to be here. Yeah. It's our it's our third and final rendition of the Scottish uh recap of our international fixture, our pilgrimage to the home of golf. And we are talking tonight about the literal home of golf and the county called Fife. So that's that's what we're running through tonight. I, I got we started this on the first pod or the first one we did about uh North Barrick, and we just said one word to describe your experiences in in Fife. Uh, a better better way to get started than any other. Uh, that, why don't we start with you, John Chung? What's one word for Fife? 
ruined. I am absolutely ruined now. My golf, my golf world is ruined after going to Fife. Mr. Like Mark- I thought, I thought Bannon was like the greatest, and now I'm like one word down. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're gonna get to it. Uh, Mark Caldwell, what is your one word for Fife? I would say validation. validation. Very nice, John Ballou. Um, I would say awestruck. Was that two words or one? That's is that hyphenated? <laughs> I don't know. It's one. I think it's one. Yeah. I'll Google it. And Chris Wong, what's your word? Going bad. I'm gonna go with epic. Epic. My mine was uh was harmonious is the word I came up with because I felt like, and we'll go back around here and just kind of explain what sat with you. So it is coming back to you, JC, but uh, harmonious for me because everywhere in Fife, it always just felt like it was a part of culture golf. It just was like this perfect rhythm that moved down the streets to the golf course and then back to the pub and uh, harmonious was, was what stuck with me. Um, Chris Wong, why'd you pick, uh, what'd you pick again? Epic. Epic. Why? Why'd you pick up the whole stage of it? And I think it really struck me once I was on the old course coming down the home stretch there, seeing the town come in and just where you are and like you get weak need. And that, that, that was when it really kind of hit me. I think every, every experience up to that point was already huge in its own way. But then you start going down that stretch and coming down and like getting to 18 and you're just like, oh my goodness. So the other, the other word that I was kind of playing around in my head was like spiritual almost because it goes, the history goes so far back. You just think of what's all happened there, all the people there over hundreds of years. And it's, it just, it makes, it makes your knees buckle a little bit. The only other time I've had that feeling was when I first saw the Vatican and like walked into you know, the square there and I was like, whoa, okay my art history book is coming to life right now in front of my eyes. That was the golf equipment. John, uh, awestruck. <clears throat> well, Chris, you just like, you explained my awestruck right, right there in terms of like, uh, especially on the old course. Yeah. When we arrived and in that evening, uh, walking on the first tee and walking down the fairway at, at like, at dusk, you know, yeah, that, yeah, it was really, really, really special. Right. And just like feeling where you were. And, and then when we were playing other courses too, like, uh, Kings Barnes and other places, like just in awe the whole time of where you were, what you were experiencing. And it, um, it was revealing to it, like reveal the, uh, a part of the game or a history that had never really been revealed to me in its truest form before too. So I think that was what was, you know, put me in a very awestruck, you know, feeling. Yeah. And JC, you, you had, uh, ruined. Ruined. Yeah. I mean, that was like, that was like the peak of, and you got, if if Chris knows this, I'm not like super negative person. Um, so it takes a lot to like get me positive, but, uh, just being there was like at the, like the peak was like the peak. I mean, unless I play like Pine Valley or, I mean, even then it it was like, it was the peak. It's like, this is it. This is the best it's going to get. And I was loving every minute of it. It's awesome. I, I thought the ruin comment had something to do with the university pubs that were frequented <laughs> by your roommate, just dragging you to the next college no, bar. No, no, no. He was, he was great. He, he, I, 
I'll tell you this. I never woke up once when he came in. So. Oh, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's yeah. etiquette, etiquette on the golf course and, and at, at home at the hotel. Uh, That's because you were awake coming with him. Of course you didn't wake no. up when he got home. You were, you were coming home with him. The, 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 the best, the best was in the Highlands when um, we checked out and I see this bill, this barb tab. And I'm like, what is this? I'm like, I never charged anything in the room. And it was like, Chris, like after the trip, like text me, he's like, Oh, I found the receipt. <laughs> <laughs> like what you know uh the, the one story i have for the highlands i know this is about fife but uh chris and john were sitting in the lobby in kings mills and they're like come on let's hang out and i ran i was like i gotta get out of here if i if i get caught in this god knows what's gonna happen i i couldn't have left that area faster that was a 24-hour bar wasn't it in kings uh, mills that's pretty rare uh, yeah. no they they i think they closed it down at, at some point I think as long as there's people there, the, the two things I remember, and I, I hate to go back to the Highlands because now you talked about it, but Chris and I saw Ekstrom talking to his mom. I think it was like pre, like it was like a Mother's Day thing. And we started talking to her. Um, and the second thing, Chris, we got to bring up the acid guy. How do we not bring up the acid guy? Because we did see him at Fife. We got to we got to talk about the acid guy at some point. We'll get Full to circle. the acid guy. Has I'm to. looking forward to that. Mark, wow. Mark, get us get us back on track with the validated. Is that was what was your word? Validation. Validation. So you know you build up Scotland golf in your mind, like you build it up so high. You think it's going to be the greatest thing ever. It's like the, the way I thought about it was like um, I, I always use movie analogies. The Dark Knight was um, like a movie that I built up in my mind. It was this movie could not be as good as it possibly could. You get it and you watch it you're like, wow, that exceeded my expectations. And for Scotland Golf, it was the exact same thing. It was it was it fully validated everything that I had the highest possible expectations it completely met them and exceeded them. And the validation of that, of like just the whole spirit of golf, the whole, you know, the the mindset there of how people treat golf, how they look at it, how they play it, how they experience it, how they, you know, what they do afterward. I mean, everything was so validating of what I thought it would be. And I was just very, I mean, I was, I was both surprised and not surprised at the same time. So that, that that's a well said, that's a way to put it. The uh, town is St. Andrews. That's where home base was for this portion of our international fixture. Uh, we stayed at the Ard Ardgoin, Ardgoin Hotel. I always struggle with that, um, which is right there off of kind of Golf Road, which leads to the 18th. And then you just take a quick left from Dunvegans. Have you guys, did you guys go to Dunvegans? By don't know. Don't know. what I, I, I don't recall. <laughs> uh, so so we're, we're right in town. And I think one of the coolest things of all this incredible golf is it's all at the footsteps of this really cool town, the city of St. Andrews. Like, uh, I think John, you talked about our arrival there was, was St. Andrews, what you guys expected from, from a, a town standpoint. I would say that I really didn't have much of an expectation. I didn't like, you know, I'm not the guy to do a ton of research and like, you know, kind of, um, just kind of want to go in, um, but I thought it was cool. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I just thought the way it felt like an old city, um, but just a lot of uh, kind of like an urban feel though to it. But then right on top of all this amazing golf and it was all like interconnected, which I thought was just really, really cool feel. Do uh, I'll, I'll jump in there, man. Um, similar to John, when we were all kind of got there that day and we're all just, you know, driving from uh, Nairn and just getting excited to see everything. Yeah. 
And then, um, you know, a bunch of us went out on 18 and one and just walked around and, um, uh, big dog can't moan us. Um, you know, I was just videotaping. I don't even think he realized I was taping him. And he just said, we were meant to be here. I mean, with, with, with the rainbows and the, and it was just like ridiculous. It was like ridiculous that we were just all there and it was the culmination. And, um, it, it was, as, as Blue mentioned, it was just kind of like just walking and just checking things out. And like, I had such different expectations. Like I was like, oh, I need, I need a Marriott property. I need a five-star, like this, this, this crappy little hotel is, and like, it didn't even matter. It was so awesome. Like it was just, it was, it was amazing. So I think this, within this group, if I have it correctly, uh, two of you won the lottery through our group, we had to all submit as foursomes. I think two of you got on uh, and knew that when you were showing up in St. Andrews and two of you uh, did not. So this will be cool to kind of get your, your because I'm thinking about that first moment, right? Because we had the perfect setting to arrive in, in St. Andrews. Like the sun, I've never seen a sun like that. I've never seen a sunset that was like that beaming and just hitting the town and lighting up the whole course. And we pulled in on that bus like right at that time and just walking around out there but so so the two oh you you guys were like oh my god i'm i'm playing here right the stands are up and everything so john and john are saying that mark and chris what were you guys thinking that not knowing that you were going to play the old course i was thinking that if the if it didn't happen and i wasn't going to play it it would have been still okay because being there was largely enough in, in a way, you know, you obviously want to play it. You obviously want to get the experience and, and, and walk those actual grounds, but just being there. And honestly, after playing the Jubilee and seeing everything, it was, it was okay. I mean, but, but I was saying I was mentally preparing myself for whatever the queue was going to bring. So I was, <laughs> I was also kind of excited to see what that would be like. And uh, those are pretty much all my stories that uh, I hope to talk about tonight. Um, that's cool. John and John, I mean, you guys are like probably tempering some excitement because you probably feel a little guilt, right? Like everybody, you guys oh, are the yeah. lottery and everyone yeah. else is sitting there like, God damn it. <laughs> Definitely a little, uh, a little guilt, but at the same time, like everybody was just so everybody knew the circumstances going into it and everybody was, you know, just supportive of one another. So that, um, I'll be honest, that kind of dissipated, especially once you walk the first fairway and you're like, holy shit, I'm going to play here in 48 hours or whatever it was. And, and, you know, the sunlight is hitting the, you know, the buildings off 18 and stuff. And it's just, you had this thrill and excitement and anticipation that in just a matter of a day, you know, you were going to go tee it up. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And, and two things that need to get in into the story is I said it at the Bev Mark taking the last spot of the new club guys was a gentleman move was a classy move was a sacrificial move. Um, I, I heard that from Chris later, so by the way, I didn't, I didn't know what happened that day. So that, and I'm not trying to kiss up to Mark cause I really don't like him, but that was a classy, <laughs> classy, classy move. Um, and then us hearing that we got the, the, the lottery on the bus and trying not, <laughs> trying not to be excited. Cause we didn't want to like squash anyone else's like hope. It was really, really hard. And like, it was, you know, 
me, Josh, and and Kyle, and and uh, Extra. I mean, we just we were like, oh god, we don't want to get excited, but we were so freaking excited. It's super. I, I I later found out, and I didn't know you could uh, pull the numbers and see. And there was six hundred submissions, six hundred for the day that we were for that day, that Thursday at Holy the old. And, and so, I mean, you just think of do the tea times, right? What is it like 90, but like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's just, it's a low percentage of 600. I know that. Yeah. I think the coolest thing though, and, and I don't know if we're going here eventually, but the fact that between a couple guy, a couple groups getting on through the lottery and everybody else, like if you wanted to play, you played. And I thought that was really, really cool is that like everybody wanted it. And anybody who wanted to play got to play. And I think that was really, really, really awesome. I, I well, and it was it was crazy how um uh Paul got on. Was it Paul? Uh Rich. Got on. I think Rich. Yeah, got, no, it was, it was yeah. Rich. It was Rich. It was Rich who got on and like just kind of was up early trying to get coffee at like 5 30 and just jumped in queue and then two groups like canceled and he was like right on at like 9 30. It's like crazy. And that was on the Wednesday, not the Thursday. Right. Um, that, that was there were some guys, there were some guys who, that yeah. nobody, nobody recognized. So he wakes up. I, I talked to him that, that afternoon, he wakes up early as he always does like five o'clock and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go check it out. And, and I had looked at the ballot sheet and I told him he was, or he was with a group of, of us that, and I said, it looks like there's only eight spots on Wednesday. Like, because you can see how many were open. I think it was 40 some for Thursday, but they had all those ballots there was only eight spots or something silly on, on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I'm just going to go walk down. He walks down and he gets 12. And, and, and I think what, four hours later, he's playing the old course is the last guy that they said was on. And so it's pretty wild that you're, that he was able to do that. Meanwhile, you know, there's so many people waiting on Thursday, but uh, it's kind of that may, adds to the magic of the place, right? I think we should just continue with the old course, by the way, because we're just, I mean, how do we not? Um, let's go with just that, that experience. I think we got to start with the guys in the queue, right? So Chris, why don't we go to you? Tell us about what time you showed up. What was your approach? Did you have to mentally prepare? No, he was at the pub. He was at the freaking pub again. <laughs> so you got a good night's sleep then. Uh, far from it. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like going back to just the St. Andrews experience overall. So like, this is actually not my first time to the city or seeing the course either. Cause I had lived there for two years during grad school in London and, you know, had seen the course. I had played a few of the courses, the old course. Um, I intentionally did not play on that trip because that was back in 2011 or 12. And I had it always in my mind that the first time I do it, I actually really want to be with my dad and with my brother. Um, so I intentionally did not even try the ballot that time around, but here I am back a decade later and like seeing it. And like, you know, I, I had talked with my dad before the trip too, and kind of told him, look, I'm, I'm going. And you know, is that okay if I go and try to get on the old course? And of course he gave me his full blessing to do so. Um, it was a bit of a, bit of a bittersweet moment. Um, so he's you know, getting a little bit older now. He's not, too interested in making the, the big trek out there, but we're, we're going to do Pebble Beach sometime. Yeah, don't tell them that. That's a, that's coming up. Um, the uh, the ballot process is interesting because I honestly didn't really know much about how it all worked. Um, we could probably listeners would probably be interested in the mechanics of that and like how to approach it. But um, basically, 
Ekstrom had been at the pub with us too. I checked in early about 1130. I was like, maybe I'll catch, catch a wink because I think uh, we're going to plan to get there at 2.30 in the morning and that should hopefully put us in a good position. Um, Ekstrom's coming back from the pub at about 12.30 and he texts me and he says, you know, there's a few guys out here already. I think um, maybe you want to bump that up a little bit. So I'm like, okay, I'm going 1.30. So I caught like maybe an hour of sleep between that time, made my way down with my clubs uh, and I was ninth in line. Um, And then I think uh, a few of the other new club guys arrived shortly thereafter. Um, so Dan McCallum was right behind me and then Kent Lonis and then kind of the company of the rest of them rolled in over time. Uh, Caleb was there like 1130 the night before, I want to say, I want to say he was very low single digits in line. Um, but we just waited it out and, uh, like long and short of it is we got in like the starter finally comes there at, at 630 in the morning. Um, after I've literally been like trying to sleep on the, the cold floor for a few hours and got some, got some rest, thankfully. Uh, and then when we get in there, by the time I got in there, there was only one more guaranteed twosome left and it was at 4.50 PM. And there was a couple of folks behind me. So I said, Hey guys, just so you know, I'm going to try to take this. My buddy, Dan is two spots back from me. So, okay. If you leave that one for him, there's guaranteed single spots still left, but we worked it out that way. So me and Dan got the, the last guaranteed twosome off that day and just pinching ourselves. Absolutely. It felt cool. Cause I felt like it was really, it would have been great to like win the lottery and just know you're going to do it. But then there's something very special about doing the full like democratic ballot process. It reminded me like me and my brother did Beth page black years and years and years ago. We had drove and waited in the parking lot overnight, that kind of thing. This felt very similar to that and it felt like a very pure experience. So that's how, that's how we got on. Hey, Chris, I never asked you this. Were people in line like super cool about stuff? Like when you, when you said, Hey, I'd like to play with my friend. He's, he's, you know, you're two, you're a spot behind me and the next guy, like, were they like really cool about it? Or were they, I mean, can you kind of explain how that went down? Yeah, it was the whole culture of the, the queue is very, Good. It's all golfers. We all understand. So we got there early. Everybody knows their spot in line. And like, oh, who was here first? And like we're a little bit delirious too. So like I got there, I was like, wait, am I am I ninth or am I eleventh or like who's there? And I'm I'm like the worst person at keeping track of that kind of crap. Um, so there was like a little moment where like you know, maybe a couple of people tried to sneak up a little bit, but I was like, hang on, you guys were behind me, right? And like, oh yes, of course. So you got to kind of fend for yourself a little bit, but overall it was very pleasant and gentile. And like the um, inside, it moves pretty quickly. Like once the door opens at 6.30, people line up. And then the, I can't imagine that the, the guy who was running the tee sheet, he must've been not more than like 24 years old, um, but such a professional. Do you remember his name? I don't right now. I, can probably from, I, I remember he was from Baltimore. What? Yeah, he was from Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, is it Baltimore in Scotland? It, no, no, no. He kind of had a Scottish accent, actually. I think he, he had adopted it. But no, I remember, I talked to him when I went to, to see Mark, and he's from Baltimore. But yeah, it seemed like an efficient, very civil process. It was very civil. It was surprisingly civil for a bunch of 
grown men of all ages standing in line overnight to go play golf, which objectively is the most ridiculous thing that you've ever heard. My, but maybe my maybe my favorite yeah, but, uh, maybe my favorite picture from the trip, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out because I know he's a listener. Uh, Dan Kaufman from Atlanta, who had some severe uh, back trouble on the trip. It was kind of tough to. Uh, but that, not just that he was kind of prickly, you know, he was going through some things. And, and I think what my favorite picture was, uh, and we warmed his, his heart throughout the whole trip, but, um, Chris sharing a blanket with Dan Kaufman, <laughs> who I, I think that's going to be the only time Dan Kaufman sleeps on, on a cold, hard, you know, cement block. Um, and, and you guys are just sharing a blanket, all cuddly. And it just, I just thought that was the best. I was like, yeah. where, yeah, else, Dan- where else, where else this place? Dan had brought the blanket down from his hotel, and then I had I had brought a pillow down from mine. So between the two of us, we had one set of bedding, and we teamed up on it, kept each other warm too. It was, it was hey, you know, I I was like deep sleep, full out snoring, like sawing logs, and out cold for a good hour and a half, and that probably made the difference in terms of me being at least able to function of course the next day. I can concur with all of that. They looked extremely cozy. And it was, it was just, it was just a great sight to see for sure. It was um, a freaking cold night though. Like Mark, what do you think the temperature was? Oh, it was cold. Yeah. It was probably, it was probably in the thirties for sure. Wow. I, don't, I wouldn't know. I was uh, sleeping very you're slumbering. Cold. I was slumbering but, in my, in my room <laughs> with know, a couple was, edibles and earplugs. I was there, good. There, there, I didn't hear There's a lot that led up to it too. So, you know, the, the, the moment where we were all there were, uh, we, we all got down there we're all in line. We're all ready. Um, I will have to uh, also, um, give a nod to our friend, Kevin Moore, professor Kevin Moore, who brought a bag of snacks down there, which is key. He had, he had, um, some candy, some cookies and what turned out to be some cronuts, which I didn't know you could buy in Scotland. So we had some cronuts, which were wildly disappointing but it was great to share a cronut with the professor while we waited we had a great few hours uh of just kind of chatting and hanging out um there's another funny story that i'll have to just kind of dive into is sunil also was down there uh and he was one of the people that we were joking around a bunch of grown men standing in line for a golf course but he was texting with a friend saying he was in the queue and he's and uh, his friends started talking about you know just golf and it eventually somehow he organically got to practice and then said you know i'm thinking about this golf blueprint thing and i don't know what that is but you know um and so i was like yeah you know he's talking about this golf blueprint thing kevin looked at him and was like yeah yeah that's me and so was like wait what <laughs> and said yeah i'm standing next to the guy that's responsible for golf blueprint so it was just it was just it was one of those nights though, where just everything just comes together. Right. Um, and so, you know, and, and also, uh, by the way, Dan, uh, Dan Kaufman, who ha- enjoyed a nice slumber with Chris was also, uh, he brought his iPad down. So we enjoyed a couple episodes of scrubs, which I haven't seen in a long time, which helped pass the time as well. Wow. So really guys, it was, it was just a lounge party. You know, we had a great time. Sure. You're sitting on the concrete, but you know, there's scrubs on. Yeah, John, you were just, John's, you were just sleeping. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's um, for the guys who did wait in the queue and, and you know, the new club guys and the guys who were not new club guys, like, that's an experience and that's a memory that's going to last a lifetime and, and it, it's worth it, right? And um, 
uh, I think there's there's something special and unique that comes with going through that experience. So, in a in a in a uh, in a way, I'm envious of it. Even though, yeah, I got a good night's sleep and I, you know, got to wake up and have breakfast and get a little workout in or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, um, I wish I, I, you know, I wish I did have to sleep on the concrete. Maybe that would have been a little bit more fun. You know, blue. Fuck that. That is bullshit. <laughs> I am more than happy of getting a tea time up front and watching these guys suffer and then hearing their stories later. I'm more than okay with that. It's worth probably mentioning for the listeners just like a few tips for the queue. Because I think it's like, if you know it's going to be cold, like legit, just wear your, wear your normal shoes. You know, something warm, very warm. Bring a full jacket if you need to. Sleeping bag if you want to. Um... I wish I would have had like a, a big Yeti full of like something warm, hot chocolate, maybe some, maybe some spiked coffee or something like that would have probably made you a hero there. If you, if you bring yeah. something like that, that you can share with folks, but it is a whole, like, uh, like you said, it's like a cultural experience, people from all over the world. Um, a lot of Americans obviously, but then you know, people from, from all over who are here just for this really special thing and, you know, sharing with each other. But, uh, um, Somebody had brought some hand warmers as well. That ended up being being a really good play. Um, and then we should probably talk for just a little bit about like the technical way that the ballot works and like what happens when you walk in and like there's pink and there's blue and there's guaranteed and not guaranteed. There's two sums and then there's this whole mysterious thing of, oh, well, these spots are held for RNA members, but most of the time they just don't show up. You know what I mean? So I knew none of that until... I was right there ready to sign up at the ballot. Yeah, it's it's uh, more not, not complicated ballot, than most people. Yeah, ballot and queue, you know, they ballot go- Ballot and are different things. Yeah, but they do go hand in hand uh, as the same um, very intriguing process, but it does seem so democratic and so open. And uh, I did learn this through our friends at the new club because they have kind of, there's a local ballot in addition to, so all the six yeah. clubs of St. Andrews are part of their own ballot. And, and that's in addition to the open ballot, right? What, what we were a part of. Um, the, uh, it is very frowned upon for a, a local club to, let's say we, we had the local ballot. We had four of us were, that were in it, were members of the new golf club or the St. Andrews golf club. If one of us is like, hey, I, my kid's sick, I can't go. And we were to play a threesome. It's very frowned upon because everyone in the, in the city knows, like, and they'll watch people go down the, the fairway and they'll say, hey, why are they playing a three ball? You know, there's, there was 600 applications last night. Your, your job is to get somebody out there, include them in, in your game. And I know Mr. Caldwell uh, got paired up with, was it three RNA members or just one? I, I, one RNA member, one new golf club member. And um, yeah, it was actually it was two RNA members. Anyway, I, they were just all up from all over. Yeah. And it's, uh, I just think that's so cool. Like that openness of, you know, technically this is their home course. It'd be like, yeah, Augusta, that ain't happening, right? <laughs> like it's just yeah, it's, yeah, that's another plus of doing the singles queue, I think, right? Is that you get that opportunity to potentially play with these amazing locals who just have this totally different perspective on, on things. Other other notable names on the old course, because this this truly is one of my favorite golf days. It was my favorite golf day of my life before I even hit a shot. Cause I teed off in the last group of the day on the old. And, uh, and so I got to watch everybody come through before you guys teed off. 
Um, I saw Greg Norman make what I believe was a double bogey on the first hole. So that was entertaining. I mean, literally like just a, a quacky duck hook off the first into the 18th fairway over by the OB duffs it short of the Creek blades, a trip long. And I didn't watch him get down, but I'm guessing it was in three, but, uh, that was, that was something. Cause he's been in the news lately. And then, uh, Mr. Tom Watson, literally what 10 minutes before John blue, your group. He was, excuse me, he was actually a little bit um, after us. We were at 11 o'clock or like 11.10, and I think he was 11.40. So, yeah. I was two groups behind him. Yeah. We were, look, we were looking at the, the, uh, the ballot results the day before, just the tee times, because they're right online. And on the bus, we were giggling. They're like, oh, ha, ha, LOL, there's a T. Watson on the sheet. We had no idea it was literally going to <laughs> literally. <laughs> and hey, what can a- we talk? Can we talk about another famous person, Michael Tallman, who? Um, and this is a, this is a Stewart story. After the uh, Jubilee round, he was I think first or second off on Jubilee round. Uh, rolls rolls in, takes his shoes off. Right, he's about to get on the coach, and Stu looks at him and says, "Hey, why don't you go check out the old course? See if that was a story I was going to say." Yeah, we. Right. Call, I was it's- in Michael's group at all right, so that we were the first group off. I think or one of the first groups off on Jubilee. This actually quick tangent. Jubilee, Matt, you asked for a story about different courses. Um, Jubilee. Prior to that round, me, Jim Sitar, and Tim Swindle played the uh, the putting course, the Himalayan putting course. That was fun, right? So we did that. Then it was time to go tee off at Jubilee. You know, I, I needed to warm up, so I was I was doing my thing. I was doing Activate, my thing. Activating. For those that you know, don't know, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Blue has a legendary warm up team that rivals. So, I don't think it. I mean, is there anyone who compares? Maybe like Billy Horschel. Miguel, Miguel Jimenez. Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Billy, yeah, Billy Horschel, somebody. But you see these guys now; they're getting after it. Anyway, so started here first. Um, but anyway. Um, I was doing that on the first tee. I was like just warming up on the first tee. And afterwards, like some locals or some caddies, or I don't know, they were like smiling, laughing at me. They're like, where'd you learn that warm-up routine? I was like, honestly, like years of, of pain and just needing to work it out. And I go up and I, I pipe a drive, birdie the first hole. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, let's just go play some golf today. And then my round of Jubilee was not so great afterwards, but I just thought it was funny. Like these guys give me a hard time after my, after my full blown workout on the first tee, go out and birdie the first hole. And then who knows what happens after that. Spectacle. <laughs> it's a spectacle and you deserve that. Speaking <laughs> of Michael Tallman. Um, just, a dumb, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. So Jubilee, so we're playing Michael Tallman and Caleb and me and Jim Sitar. We go out and play Jubilee, come in afterwards, and you're re- exactly right. Stuart goes, hey, you know what? It's early enough or like late enough in the day, but so early with, with daylight. And he's like, you guys should go walk out on the old course. And I was like, well, I'm playing tomorrow. Like, I'm going to re- like let that be the day. And, and those other guys though, Tallman, um, they walked down there and they got out. They just went out in the afternoon after our Jubilee course, walked right up to the starter and they're like, go. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. That's why. Well, and Tallman, Tallman, Tallman played with like three St. Andrews university players. Oh, and yeah. we, we started walking towards, we, we were walking back to the hotel. We didn't want to, uh, wait for the coach. So, and we just see this dude with this Oklahoma state Cowboys bag and we're like, Oh, that looks like Tallman's bag. 
And then we see Tallman and we're like, and we're all just cheering him on. And I think he ended up birdieing that first hole, um, beat all three of the uh, St. Andrews players. Yeah, yeah they're all awesome. like tipping out. They're all tipping it out. And he's like, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll play those ones with you, I guess. And I don't know what his handicap is. I, I call you a finish or something like that. And these three absolute stud Scottish golfers playing for the University of freaking St. Andrews. They all go out. They, I'm sure, mash their drives down there. But he's the one that drops a birdie on top of all three of them. Just yep. No absolute shot. epic moment. Epic moment. Awesome. awesome. That's legendary. That's legendary. Hey, get some thoughts on the golf course now that we're into our 40th minute on the old. Uh, what, <laughs> what were your guys' thoughts on on the old course? I'll, I'll start it because I'm negative. Um, if you drop that course anywhere else in the world, it'd be just a golf course. Um, but okay. where it's at, the history, uh, who you're with, the caddies. Um, and I'm not saying I had the best foursome, but our foursome was, was awesome. It was me, Kyle Ekstrom, uh, uh, Josh, and uh, we had the perfect caddies. And you rarely get like the perfect caddies for the person. Like we had like this old dude, his son was with us. Um, he had Josh and um, he was just giving Josh grief the whole the time. American it was, cowboy. It was amazing. So uh, best experience, golf experience. We, we'd like to say, we don't want to say best experience because then your children, your wife will kind of get a little, I won't, I won't drop names, but there's, but there was a couple of us that was the best experience of our life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any counterpoint to John yeah. there on the golf course itself? It's, it's, uh, I, would disagree. I, I, yeah. I might disagree on this, the golf course aspect, actually, because I think that what you hear about people, and Matt, you and I have talked about this a little bit, how the course has so many little subtle things. And my caddy was kind of pointing them out to me as we were going along. And like one example of this is somewhere on the back nine. I have a terrible memory for holes. So apologies to all the architecture nerds out there. But he pointed out this small pot bunker on the left edge of the fairway. And it couldn't have been bigger than like my desk. And what he told me was that, you know, when this course is running fast, there is about 50 yards of fairway where if you hit that, it's going to funnel and run into that bunker. And you've got to know these little things on every hole. And that's what I think makes it so brilliant is that you're going to see different things each time you play it. And there's different things to figure out. All right. Counterpoint, Chris, the, the hole that's reversed that you can't see any bunkers down the fairway because it was originally played the other way. What was that like 12 or 13? Like this is dumb. This is dumb. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I loved. I trust me. Again, greatest golf Love experience, this. maybe potentially greatest experience ever. But I was like, this is dumb. Like, I you can't I even the goddamn bunkers. I, uh, I, I think that one of the interesting things that people underestimate too is just the ground and the soil itself and the turf itself, because that's kept to a condition and a standard that is just absurd. Like, I've never one seeing a continuous green that huge and that flat just perfectly flat like you see enough golf courses over time you see things settle out edges come down get a little soft all that kind of stuff there's none of that there everything was just absolutely sharp and pure almost to like a video game level quality where i was like it, it, it just had this mystical thing to it i played it millions millions of years of 
sand compacting is really like that's the <laughs> that's the only way and it's amazing did, did, did anyone fix a ball of a pitch mark on the green no the, the entire time no i fixed someone else's i didn't fix mine or no, anyone I, in my group if you did you couldn't see them i mean it was all like sanded over and yeah firm as I, I searched too i looked i kept looking and just never found one yeah I, I want to. I'll share my my perspective, and I guess I'll be the 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 hipster guy or the pretentious golf geek, perhaps. I don't know, but uh, it was my third time playing the old uh, sick brag. But <laughs> but uh, my first time was your impression, John. Um, I I actually played really well the first time I played it and uh, hit three shots in the road hole bunker, and so I was like, oh, I just got screwed by a pot bunker. But this place is a cakewalk. I can't believe they have major championships on it. Like that's what I literally said, and I was saying it to Scotsman, who probably you know wanted to wring my neck at the time. But um, real quick, Matt, because you're too humble to say what you shot. What'd you shoot? The first, okay. the first seventy-four with three shots with a triple on seventeen, uh, yeah. and. And so, so the next time I was, I was 10 years older, actually 10 years are between each of these, which is kind of cool. Or no, I'm sorry. 10, the first time five, the next, uh, 10 years later, I kind of still have that in my mind. I still have that attitude towards, towards it. I started calling it a cow pasture and I, I kid you not, I might've made 18 bogeys. And it was, it was windy, the wind, it, we caught the tide. So I played into the wind on the way out and it switched when we were on eight and we played into the wind on the way back. And I was totally confounded. I, every, around every green, I was three putting. I was not getting up and down from very straightforward places. And I left there like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I felt like I was knocked out for 15 rounds or like, just kind of boo, 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 like little knives were sticking me this time around. And it finally started to click with me. And I don't know how else to say it, but this, when you play uh, a modern architects golf course, even a Gil Hans, even a, a like really re well-regarded uh, golf course architects, I think you can figure out what questions they're asking you. I think you can look at it and say, oh, if I take on this bunker on this par five, I can get home in two. If I play at this angle, it opens up to the green. If I do these things, you can kind of see it. You can kind of figure it out, right? Because it, it's intentional. They did it that way. The old course... I think the best golfers in the world still don't know the questions that are being asked. I, I think it's that like intriguing and that random because we all know how Tom old Tom put the course together is he put a flag here and a pin here or a T there. And he played across the most interesting parts of the land. And I, that's what I think now, man, I just don't think it has one answer. And, and it's just always asking questions that are really hard to figure out. Remember, you're you're a decent golfer. I am not. Um, but you're a smart man, John. It's, I, uh, it's objectively yeah, not true. He's too negative. He is a yeah, very he is good. good you're handy. You're so, handy. So so so, uh, and and Baloo could probably you know with his single and Mark with his single and Matt with your plus. Like, I think I think it's more of a thinking man's game. And when you're not thinking, you're just trying to survive. It's a little different. I hundred percent agree, though that. Uh, and I do this with almost any restaurant I go, go to and, and any golf course I go to at least twice to really get an opinion of it. And, and, and that's what I want to do next is, is play it again um, and see what, and see what I think. So yeah, that's, that's a great perspective. Just, man. Just, to, just to loop back real quick to you when you're asking about the whole you know, ballot versus singles queue thing and what was going through me and Mark's minds. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to be back here, man. Yeah. 
I'm back I, I, If I don't play it now, it'd be great to do it with the grandstands up, obviously. But like, yeah. if it doesn't happen now, it's already been such an amazing trip. And of course, this would be a cherry on top. But I'm coming back as soon as that. Yeah. Here, I, I, I amen to that, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on on the old? Any other stories that came from it? What, Can we what, talk about Kyle hitting the hotel like square on? Oh my god. So his caddy, he's, so he's, he's hitting a draw, like, and, and I think Baloo does the best description of, of Kyle's like square up, like routine, like how can he possibly hit it straight when he's Aimed like 40 <laughs> yards, right. And has to come over the top. To, yes, to it's it's straight. Like, yeah. Thank yeah. you, John, for, for having to spare me from having to say, <laughs> as Kyle probably, you know, is going to mention his and his caddy. I mean, he's, he's been hitting a draw all day and the wind's prevalent to the right to left for some reason. And, and he's like, you need, you need to hit it. Like, at the hotel like i don't and he he hit it so hard that a, a guy three three balconies down <laughs> comes out to see what was going on and the, we no one even knew where the ball was it was it was so dead into the hotel i mean um and then that was it, that was a great it actually great got moment. embedded embedded into the <laughs> it, it, the it might have, the, it right? might have. <laughs> the, the, but the best part i will say about the old course was during that morning after we saw tommy Okay, I can call him Tommy since I, I met him, uh, Mr. Watson. Uh, we <laughs> we went out to that that little uh, what's it called the little bar on the, 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 the yeah <laughs> the jigger, and just watching people come up and just being excited for them. That was so much fun to watch people come up and you know see Kent and you know uh, Sunil and just people just coming up you know, 17 and just cheering them on. And that, that to me was the best part of it. I mean, like the golf was fun, but just watching people enjoy themselves was awesome. It was like, it was awesome. Watching people tee off. Yeah. Watch people come in on 18. There's like a, there's an energy that's just reverberating around that, that area of people having, like we said, the highlight of their golf life perhaps. And it's again and again and again and again. That's why uh, Dun Vegans is such a hot place. Me, me walking into Dun Vegans because we played at like five thirty was our our. We I think we ended up going at five forty, so we were hustling to get it in before dark. But um, I had a drink at the new golf club, and then I was feeling feeling invincible, and I walk into the Dun Vegan man, and that roar of you guys <laughs> was like the warmest thing that has ever hit my soul, and. Uh, it's probably where I got COVID, but you know, <laughs> it was just such a, uh, it was such a celebration. And I like, I'll always remember every, like, it's so vivid that whole day, but that done vegan moment too, is kind of the cherry on top. There was, um, I think it, in, just in terms of wrapping up that, that energy and just kind of like how I experienced it, like we teed off at 11. So we were able to like, at least know or see that a few people got off in front of us. But then when we teed off at 11, dude, we had, I don't know, we had maybe 15 to 20 people like at full gallery, like watching us. You guys, you guys, had, awesome. you guys had as many people as Tom Watson had watching. <laughs> totally. <them> yeah. <laughs> and so, and it, that was really cool. But then once you get out there and this is what I did not realize around, about the course, the course itself, like, you know, we can talk about its subtleties and it's gettable, but it's also really, it'll hit you in the face. Um, but what was really cool and what I didn't realize until we got out there is there's so much intersection and so much like, you know, you can see the other holes and you're intersecting with the other holes. So while we're all out there, 
you're crossing paths with your buddies. And I remember like, you know, waving from the other fairway to see Kevin and give him a big hug. We ran across fairways to hug each other. And then, yeah, seeing all these other guys, Sunil and, um, you know, uh, McCallum and everybody out there and Chris, it was just so cool to like a whole full day of golfing, seeing everybody out there and um, cheering everybody on when you teed off, when you came in. That, that was just awesome. Chaos. So cool. Seven and eleven. Is uh, holes that cro- literally cross yeah, over. Seven, seven eleven. Not great for pace of play, but really fun. Um, yeah. Ken Ken called it chaos. He, 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 he came off the green. He came off eighteen. So that that was chaos. Seven eleven was chaos. Yeah, it's disorienting. I think you're trying to like you know you have this bucket list thing, and when you're in seven eleven, like. You're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> oh, my caddy was yelling at me. He's like, oh. I was like, I was like, where am I supposed to run? I don't even know where to protect my. But I, I, I've got maybe like three quick bullet points from um, my experience on the old course because, like, you do that ballot thing. We're tired with the jigger, and then I'm getting ready to tee off on one. And the big question in my mind is, okay, I see everybody ripping driver, but like, I really want to hit my blade one iron, and like, that's the most nerve wracking shot you'll ever hit in golf. But I was flipping back and forth in my mind. like, driver, one iron, driver, one iron. It's like, I hate my driver right now. I don't want to hit my driver. I love my one iron. But there's a good chance that I could, like, literally shake it, top it, whatever, on the holiest of holy lands here. Um, and then, you know, Kevin Moore, after giving me some ribbing about it and, like, getting in my head a little bit about it, then I told him, like, Kevin, this is not helping. I really need you right now to, like, coach me up. You're, you're a golf coach. And right now you're poisoning my brain. <laughs> So he, he got together, coached me up. He's like, you're going to pick a club. You're going to commit to it. You're going to do it. I think I was nervous that there was going to be a huge gallery to you. Thankfully, there was not. I, the only person who probably saw my tee shot that was not in my foursome was Matt, who I, was where? I was, uh, you know, having a drink with Mr. Watson <laughs> at the new golf club. Filming you. I swear to you, I got to go. I got to go real quick. My friend is teeing off the first. I want to get a video of him. <laughs> and, and just real quick. Yeah. Wait, that's crazy that you were doing that because while you were doing that, Matt, with Tom Watson, I was in uh, Golf Greg Club Norman St. Andrews. No, we were in Stewart's uh, club and we were watching Chris. We watched you tee off from like the second floor. From so so you saw that I did not hit a great shot. It went forward, but it was quite low. It didn't even look like a stinger. But that's all I'll say is that by that first tee shot, I was like... I'm committing to this. I'm hitting it. And it, it was fine. I was down the fairway. Good to go. And I was shaky, honestly, for like the first just 12, 13 holes and not playing my best golf for sure. Cause I was just underslept. It was really windy and cold. Um, once you make the turn, definitely get the coriander soup. I don't know if anybody else had that. They served it in a little cup and it was that, that, that lit me up and I felt a lot better. Um, but I'm going around It's uh, it's me, me and Dan account and we're we got paired up with kind of these you know i, w- I would describe them as they look like they look like bobble link golfers maybe they're from chicago <laughs> they're like <laughs> dudes who don't really oh play really fast, flying down the fairway and we're like who are these guys and like i'm trying to get beautiful footage and shots of the course and like there's just these bros like marching down the fairway like rah, rah, rah. i'm like guys guys so by the, by the time we got further down the course, I, I, I told him, I was like, hey, is that cool? If we, you know, we just walk a little slower together. If you let me walk ahead a little bit, I'm just taking some pictures. Um, so, but by by the later parts of the course, as we started coming down like 14, I started to kind of get my groove. And I felt like I was playing my golf ball again. 
And, you know, we come to, we come to the road hole. I pump two drives straight into the hotel naturally, but then <laughs> drop one over um, on, you know, just back in bounds. I hit my iron shot straight into the road hole bunker. And I'm deep, deep down in it. The pin's tucked right there. Um, and I hit the absolute best shot of my life. I was looking down at my, my 60 degree wedge and I said, more open. It's like, no, even more open. Not even more open. But the thing was just like angled like that. I swung as hard as I can, got it perfect and like hit it to a tap in range. You and Vince um, Carter had about the same vertical on that uh, video, by the way. <laughs> that was awesome. That's awesome. We should, we should give it a shout out too. Chris runs a ph- phenomenal YouTube channel called Chris on the Course. And uh, you can actually see that highlight in a video I'm sure coming up. Yeah, check out the Instagram. It's just Chris on the course. Um, but we go off. We, I hit that shot on 17. Me and Dan are just going nuts because I just got up and down out of the road hole bunker. And then I get up on 18. We're all jacked up. And I pull up my one iron again because I'm like, okay, I just you know almost sculled it over on one right over there. I'm going to try it again here on 18. And I absolutely pipe a bullet draw straight at that little brown hotel down there. And I'm just going nuts. So we go, we take some pictures on the Spoken Bridge and then, and then run across um, but then we look back and our, our caddies kind of tell us, hey, hey, these guys quiet down. And our two guys, the, these Bible golfers from Chicago, uh, we look back and they're, they're scattering their friend's ashes back at the bridge. And I'm like, holy shit, here's this really poignant moment. And I think this is the only place where you would actually see this happen, where, you know, we're, we're having this great old time. Um, the sun's setting down. It's this very poignant moment. We look back and we're like, oh, man, this is something special. So that totally kind of changed the mood. And um, but then uh, Brian Ekstrom, it was, you know, the man coming home from the pub that told me to get in line a little bit earlier. He really made that round happen. So, you know, me and Dan and him got a picture on the bridge together. We all walked down the fairway together. I ended up parring, which was great. And then, um, you know, I, I mentioned to the guys when we were shaking hands on the greens, just say, hey, like, I saw you guys back there. And, like, I'm sorry if we, you know, sullied the moment at all. But I could see that that was really special. We had, had a good hug with each other. There was, I was getting a little teary there. Um, but it was just... I feel like this is the only place in golf where that kind of thing can can happen. And it was a awesome, awesome moment. Awesome day. That's a, that's a perfect encapsulation of it, Chris. Cause like, like you said, th- those guys, the bros that seem to be a different uh, niche of the golf world, perhaps uh, we're all golfers at the end. And like that, that is our home. I, I feel like that it, it truly feels that way, right. That we're all welcome there because golf and we love to golf and uh that's really cool they, they wanna... their friend never never made it there but now he's their friend you know? wow wow yeah. that's, that's powerful um i want to ask about the new golf club and we can come back we'll circle back on some of these courses we we haven't even <laughs> talked about any other course in pipe but that's okay but i, I do want to ask about the new golf club because for me uh personally that that, that was the pilgrimage to get back to where this journey all began uh new club our name comes from that very place and that membership and my visit there in 2005 and then again in 2015 so it was uh very meaningful for for me and mark as well that they welcomed us in and we had that dinner with their captain and they wanted us to uh be a part of the club or they wanted their club to be a part of our week um, so it was, it was very powerful for me, but I wanted, I just, you know, for you guys as new club, Chicago members, I think everybody on the calls from Chicago, it's what, what was that like for you? And, and I don't, I'm not asking for like, you know, 
the the answer I'm looking for. I really just wanted to know, like, what what did what, what was that experience like? All right, stupid stupid American will go first. Um, I had no idea what it really meant, to be honest with you. Um, similar to John Ballou, I did not do a ton of research other than how the fuck do I get on the old course? That was the only thing I ever researched. <laughs> um, but to see, and, and I was pissed that it, it took me longer to pack a jacket than it did to take my golf clubs and like all, all the shit I needed for golf. Like I was literally worried about it. Um, I forgot my razor, which was the reason I didn't shave at uh, Carnoustie. Um, I thought that was that, just a cool grizzled look. No, 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 no. That was terrible. Um, I felt terrible. Um, but it was one of those situations where I didn't realize the impact of it until after I got home. And um, hearing about it and understanding kind of the impact of being at that club with a captain, uh, with the history, I didn't, I didn't, at the moment, I did not understand it. It was like, this is too stuffy. You have to wear a tie. I haven't worn a tie in like five years. Um, I haven't worn a jacket in three years, uh, uh, you know, unless it was for like a funeral or a wedding. And like, it just, I didn't get it. Um, and so I bailed out a little early and I regret that now. Looking back on it, I regret it. It was, it was childish and sort of immature of me for, for me to kind of do that. But then as I, started to understand a little bit more about what these clubs meant um, and looking back on it and seeing what these clubs do in terms of the common man, the common person being able to be part of something bigger uh, gave me actually a new appreciation for what we're trying to do in Chicago. So that's, that's my dumb American sort of stupidity immaturity of it all. Um, but I didn't fully grasp what it, what it all meant at the time. Wow, that Mark, um, I, I, I'm going to go to you next because I have been talking your ear off <laughs> worse than anybody. If everyone thinks that, like, you know, oh, Matt's on a soapbox and he's talking about Scottish golf again, ask Mark how he feels about this because this poor bastard has gotten, you know, NPR worth of just my thoughts on how our game could be more like the Scottish model and the golf societies there and the, these clubs that, you know, inspired us mark what was it like for you to finally be there and 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 sitting at the new golf club you know it it goes back a lot largely to the validation word because you know when you when when you go there and you know the the history is one thing the the fact that this club that we were there that we were a part of was founded by people like old tom morris and young tom morris remembers i mean that the, just the weight of that history is enough. But the, one of the uh, things that I really uh, was impacted by was just the, the 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 level and mindset of of just the people there and how w- when you talk about golf, when you talk about matches, when you talk about you know playing a course, especially as the old course, and how it should be open to the public. The 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 fact that like they they play. Um, it's like their backyard. They treat it like their backyard. It's just it's just it, it, golf is an ingrained part of their lives and the way that we talk about golf here and some, and sometimes John, I think, you know, um, you, you describing yourself negatively as an American golfer. I think it's true though. It's like, you don't really know what it's like there, but when you talk to folks in the new golf club, the just talking to Ronnie they're they just, it, it is just such a natural part of their lives it, that it was just so surprising how basic it was. The things that we talk about, the things that we try to say, 
why golf is great here about matches and community and everything. The new golf code folks, it, they just, it's just a part of their world. It's they, 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 uh, it just, it was, it was so surprising to me how base base level that was. And, and, uh, that was very impactful for sure. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about what we felt about Scottish golf in general, but I didn't truly get it until Ely, which is sad because we were there for, I was there for 10 days. Some of you guys were there for more than that, but getting to Ely and, um, seeing how the members of that club were so welcoming. Um, I didn't get it until I got to Ely. That's so let's go to it when this is a great transition to the other courses. So we'll go to our very last round, which was Ely, you know, 10 straight days of so much damn golf. And we were, I was, I was, this is after uh, our evening at the new golf club, which we had some very wonderful age spirits and some very nice wine. Um, and it just, uh, <laughs> I was struggling out there, but Ely breathed life into me because of those those members i mean um for those that don't know ely golf club house ely golf house club uh, we'll have to look that up ely, <laughs> ely golf house club i believe is the official title um they have some it's like you know again one of the oldest golf clubs in the world they have a lot of uh quirky uh traditions one of which is the knee-high socks which we show up and we see all these guys it's a beautiful day one of the best weather days of the year uh, of our trip and these guys have all the knee high socks on, which I was under the impression that they had to either be white or yellow. I thought, I think I read that somewhere, some way. And all these guys have checkered socks on and, and all these things that I asked the guy in the locker room, I go, uh, I go, what happened? I thought it was yellow socks. And he said, um, he goes, oh yeah, no, we, we modernized baby. We're, we're, we got these things all I needed to, I needed to, uh, stunt on my, my co my members. And I, and so they do still require the knee high socks. Of course we got all oh, the swag is, is there, but, um, but yeah, they were out having a match against a London club actually that does this every year. They go to one course or the other and, you know, packed T sheet with them in front of us and us behind, but my God, did I feel like I was a part of their match? They were so cool and so inviting and, and hooting and hollering at us. And we were hooting and hollering at them. Um, Anyone else chime in on? on well, what I, I went to the Lou. It, it was me, Mark, and Baloo who were playing together. I think we were the last group, and uh, I went to the the, the one restroom that they actually have. Um, and uh, this gentleman uh, comes up and starts talking to me. He's like, "You know, where are you from?" And you know, you know, I'm in Chicago, and, and I'm talking to him like, you know, we're just like like a dude at Jackson Park. Like, it's just it's just it's just a combo. It's it's just a combo. And um, we get out onto that weird like par four that's going into the in, in like into the water i think it was 10 going into the water and then like they're they're teeing off the other direction it's chaos and there's balls flying everywhere and everyone's yelling four and uh one of the guys says yeah that's the captain of our club and he was the guy who was just just chatting me up and um ely was special to me and, and matt you asked like if i could play a course every day like ely would be that course like it it was it was like my mind opened up after 13 previous rounds that I played there. So I think we, I played 14. You guys probably played more than that. Ely opened my eyes to what it was to be part of a community to play just, just golf. And, the, and these guys were so cool. Like just like drinking beer, they were drinking Corona's or some stupid <laughs> drink. Like they weren't even drinking like local beers, they were drinking like Corona or some garbage. Like, and I was like, what, who are these punks? 
and it's the captain of the golf club. And I was just like, oh my God. Um, yeah, that was a special moment. I, I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to play there. I didn't, I didn't sign up for it. And, uh, there was a spot open and I jumped on it and I, I don't regret it for a single, I told my wife we're moving to Ealing, yeah. by the way. I think it is a, a second home type of community there. Actually, a lot of folks from London end up in that little township. Um, man. Oh, and by the way, I, I I did pull a the 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 hole with the bar, the pub. Um, Mark and Baloo can test. I I t- uh, undercut a ball and it went into the street. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't hit a car. Thank God. Um, I, I I thought about that. That so that bar is one of the also coolest traditions in golf and worth the visit in itself just for doing something that unique, you know? So you play the first three holes. I didn't wait on a shot. The first three holes, I get to the fourth tee and there, the group's nowhere to be found. And my father, who I'm playing with very impatient man, when it comes to the golf cars, he just tees it up and stripes it down the middle. And I'm looking around, I see some bags like down the left. I go, dad, I, I don't see anyone in front of us. I, I think they're there. And I, I forgot, I forgot that that pub was right there. I'm like, I think they're still here in the restroom or something. And they come stumbling out of the pub with two beers in each hand. And my dad was like, all right, screw them. We're going. I was like, no, dad, we're having a pub. We're going to go have a pint. This is a tradition here. Um, but yeah. where else, you know, where else get your round started three holes in, uh, sit down and have a quick pint. That is such a cool thing. Not to mention, Amazing. you're talking about the talent. You're talking about the talent on one side, real quick. You turn around, and it's like this cliff from from Mount Olympus that is the most incredible view of all time. And you're talking about this. I mean, it was just it, it was the the two most beautiful things you could possibly have, right? Golf in a town, and just this monstrous cliff. I think that's. I think that was what was the coolest thing about Ely for me was like first and foremost, probably the most welcoming vibe or feel that you got at a club uh on the whole trip like all we just said it all the membership like the pro in in the shop like everybody like the most welcoming place that we that we visited it felt like but the coolest thing was like you're playing this golf course it's just literally in the middle of the town so matt when you're talking about going to this getting a pint after the third hole you literally technically like exit the golf course yeah. because you're walking down the fairway and then you like cross the street go to the pub in the town and then cross the street and come back it's not like you're having a, a like a halfway house or something like you are playing golf in the middle of this town and when you miss a shot john chung <laughs> taking out the windshield on the street you know like that's that was that kind of place and i thought that was really really cool yeah yeah, I think it'd be good to maybe maybe Matt. I don't know how this all gets posted or whatever, but maybe post some pictures or quick clips of what these places actually look like. Um, I would agree that like Ely was such a great way to cap off the trip. Um, the course itself is phenomenal and it's such a hidden secret. I was I remember like talking to it was Finley McDonald, right? And uh, I said, This course is something special. It starts inland and then it brings you out straight to the sea and has some of the best seaside holes on this mountainside, some of the best views of town that you'll get anywhere. And I remember telling him, I was like, this course is fantastic. He's like, yeah, just don't tell anybody about it. We like to keep it that way. I like to keep it. Um, and he's one of the guys, he, he, he was so friendly. We just exchanged emails on the first tee. And then he emailed me a few days later after I had gotten home. He's like, so what'd you think of it? Like, how, how'd you like the Ely? 
And we've just been chatting back and forth. He sent me some pictures from the, the little tournament that they had here. It's probably not going to show up too well, but Matt, I can send you this picture. They're all in their suits and ties and everything after the round. And it's just a level of friendliness and camaraderie. And I think that was the thing that struck me most. And I'd mentioned this before, but Scotland golf is democratic. It's so much better. It's so inclusive. When you're out and about, you see young people playing, you see more women playing, you see young girls playing. And it's just such a different feel and attitude than what you get in America. I think that was the biggest, biggest thing that struck me about playing there. But you saw it at Bora, you saw it at Tain, you saw it at Nairn. Everywhere. You saw it at Cruden. You didn't, you didn't, I, for me, I didn't, it didn't soak in until Ely. And that's what made Ely for me very special. Also the fact that Mark lost his stupid putter cover and I ran like a hundred yards back to find it. I would have, I would have only done that after I heard the fact that Colwell went last in line for the new oh, old course. That's the only <laughs> That's reason the I would have done that. That's the, That's kind, the of kind of guy you're going to run. I will say, I will say that, that John Chung, Sherlock Holmes, this, <laughs> this putter cover, it was the most incredible thing. I, I was like, you know what? It's gone. I mean, it happens. Sometimes you drop stuff. And John was thinking, he's like, okay, so we were just on that hole. And I think that you dropped it here. And I know that at, at, at 1,640, you dropped it here. And then I, we're going to pass that hole when we get to this one th- this one intersection. And then the light bulb switch, I look at him, he's running down the fairway. I have no idea where he's going. And he knew exactly where it was. It was like, not even like, it wasn't like, oh, I have to look around. He like no, ran you, straight you to the spot. You ran right to it. You really did, John. So, you but here, literally ran but Baloo, right to here, that. Car. Yeah. Here's the funniest thing. When we when we told the story on the bus on the coach, Constantine thought the John that did that was you because you're the nicer of the two Johns for sure. And he's like, "Oh, John Baloo did that." I'm like, "This fucking guy, he thinks Baloo did that. It was me." <laughs> you don't give yourself John Chung. You, you don't, don't give you yourself enough up, credit. You yeah. don't warm up for 25 minutes and not sprint 200 yards. Yes, that's, that's true. That's 100 true. Oh, oh man, I think I'll, I'll be forever grateful, Mr. Jones. <laughs> one of the things that I think we're, we're kind of talking about here is like how golf is just like it's just part of part of the DNA. And I think where that really dawned on me or where that really hit home was we played Dornick uh two days in a row, right? We played Dornick. Um, and then after the first day, I think was is it Brora? After it was the afternoon, and then Dornick, and then uh, Tain. Tain. So when Dornick morning, then Brora, and then the following day was Dornick in the morning and, and Tain in the afternoon. So when we were at Dornick, first caddy, dude has like a full time job, but and he's a member of Dornick, but he's also carrying my bag. Okay, then the following day, Dornick again the caddy master wanted a loop. So I had the caddy master from Dornick as, as my, as our four caddy at the second day of Dornick. Then afternoon, and this is where it really then hit home, Rattain. And it was me, McCallum and Swindle. And our caddy, I can't remember if it was four caddy or if one of us just had a caddy, but our caddy there, he was like, yeah, I just got off work. I'm a member of this place of Tain. And I'm also your caddy today. And I, I, and it was in that moment where I said, there is nowhere 
nowhere in the entire United States where you would find somebody who is a member of their club and also then caddy and carry a guest bag. And that, I think like that situation right there, I think like it really defined how golf is different from me John, in Scotland. You should play, you should yeah. play at Med- you should play at Medina. Medina has a lot of guys. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's like, I, I'm going to I'm going to say it just a slightly different way, but like when you see the ties uh, of their clubs, you know, when they're dressed up looking in their formal tie, or you see the, the traditions and, you know, the RNA and the rules. And I think there's, it's easy to, to imagine that that is the same kind of um, reverence that we have of like Augusta or, or Pine Valley. And, and the, and it's easy, it's easy to uh, equate that to the same thing, which is, our reverence in the U.S. is kind of like, oh, we love golf. We think golf is this great thing. Let's put it on a pedestal. Let's protect it with with glass, and let's not touch it. And that's and that's that's our value. And as a member of a prestigious club, I don't want too many people to play my course. Chicago Golf Course only has eleven thousand rounds a year. You know that's the approach here. There, it's it's flipped, and it's totally their reverence. They have the same like passion and reverence more so but their reverence is let's share this son of a bitch let's get people on our golf course that's caddy form when they actually show up and let's be very proud about what we have here and so their reverence is like um i think someone said the the term already of um uh not basic maybe it was but it it, it is it, it's not this like on a pedestal thing it really is this very uniting thing that as a human you can play golf and it's a game we can all enjoy together and we want you to so welcome and enjoy yourself i i just uh i, I it is absolutely nothing about privilege or anything in that in that way it's not stuffiness yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's not but, I, but then, I mean i'm one of those people that never wants to talk to a single person especially an asian person at a golf course like if saw if I saw Mark, I think like you should let the listeners know that you're Asian. Oh, okay. no, by the way, I'm Asian. Only. Yes, I mean, but not, but you really are a dumb I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a son of a bitch. But after Scotland, the only thing I want to do is understand who you are, why you're there, explain if where the hole goes if you've never played there before. Like that, it's changed my perspective around who I play with. I, I told Mark this. Um, one of the reasons I, I was hesitant on going to Scotland was because I wasn't going to be with my close friends. I wanted to experience Scotland with my closest friends. Um, and and by the way, now now that Chris and I have spent many many nights <laughs> shared COVID, or uh, well, he didn't get COVID because he had a pub index so so low that uh, he never got it. Um, is now to share experiences of golf with uh, people that I don't know. To, to bring a little bit of Scotland to people um, and and actually have a conversation, not just worry about my index or what I'm going to shoot that day. Like it's such, it's, it's, that's such a minimal piece of Scotland golf that it, to, to now have the expectation of, I want to get to know you. I want to know where you're from. I want to know if you've ever played here before that. And blue hit it. Like when he, you know, when you when you have a caddy like a Carnoustie, and we haven't even talked about Carnoustie for God's sakes. That's we have to we talk about Carnoustie. We have right. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, to, to talk about Carnoustie and like these guys were like my 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 old course 
caddy was a member at Carnoustie and was telling us about it. And like, like, wait, you're just, you're a caddy and you're a member at Carnoustie. Like what? Like it just, it didn't, it, it didn't register. Like the neurons didn't fire appropriately that you are a caddy and you're a member at Carnoustie. Like that Carnoustie. Like it, it just didn't register. It was like crazy to think that. And, and that was the amazing part of my experience was whether I was with my closest friends or, or, or future closest friends, it was like, that was amazing. And, and it taught me so much about what the game really meant, really meant. And Matt, by the way, prior to it, you were NPR. You were just on the background, like just, you were just a talking head. And now like, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it now. It's it's one of those things you got to feel it, right? You got to see yeah. it and, and be a part of it. And the, there's no better place in Scotland to get that. Um, Chris, you were going to say Carnoustie? Yeah, a couple of things. <laughs> and like maybe at some point we should just list off all the courses we've played around five and then decide, you know, which ones we want to make sure to hit. Um, I, th- I think we're going to wrap up on Carnoustie. We had a couple stories about Jubilee Old and Eden. So we'll, we'll leave that to the <laughs> listener's imagination, but that's, let's wrap up with a couple of stories on Carnoustie. Carnoustie, I think, you know, for me, it was one of the most special places just because everybody knows who John Vanderbilt is. If, you, if you're remotely close to golf around that time, you know, Vanderbilt. therefore, you know, Carnoustie, you know, you know, Carnasty, everybody, everybody just knows it. And we had, 40 mile an hour plus winds that was pretty steady gale the entire time. Um, and I, I'm like, John, I like to go into these trips pretty cold. Like the first time I went to bed in news, I did not do I did not read a page or look at a video online. I just wanted to experience it completely cold and then do my research for the next trip. So I'm going in cold to Carnegie and I'm just teeing off. I'm like, I'm going to try to play bogey golf today and just find it out. Um, and we had an absolute legend on the bag named Elf um, in our group. He, he was getting, he was getting for you, John, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, was fucking, I played fucking terrible that day. <laughs> fucking terrible. It was me, you, Kyle. You and everybody, <laughs> man. It was a brutal day at Carnasty. There, there, was, there were some hangovers that day, I think. Uh, there, I didn't play some exactly. <laughs> We'll get to you, Baloo. The overall course experience at Carnegie was awesome. Like the, the building and the clubhouse itself is not great, but they have one of the best pro shops anywhere that I saw. Um, loved, loved everything there. I thought their whole experience was just so well thought out, just even the way they set up caddy bags and got very people ready to go. Anyway, playing around. Um, John, you're plugged up against the bunker. Oh, yeah. Like, like this. And Alf tells you what you're going to do is close down the face and get as hard as you can straight into it like this. And you're like, no, right? And sure enough, you hit it, and the ball just, I, I'm watching it, and it just goes up the hill, top spins up, rolls right out of the green. This is out. And like, he, he had legendary stories about, you know, the people that had gone through there. He was giving us the backstories on the holes, uh, the names of the holes as well. I don't know if you remember South America on the back nine. Yeah. <laughs> There's a backstory on that. Apparently, there was a, a caddy that was in town for one of the tournaments and has gotten fed up with Scottish life in general. And said, guys, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to South America. And they go up to the pub, have a few too many, and the caddy wakes up the next morning in that fairway. And the first words he says were, is this South America? <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were, 
You were in that rain hut with Alf, just chilling. That was yeah. an amazing yeah, picture. We got a great, great little photo there. Um, and then, you know, you, you run, you go down Hogan's Alley. And I was like, I, I, I think I had probably loosely connected in my brain that Hogan's Alley is Carnoussi somewhere at my point. But it, it, was a, it was a gift to me as I was playing Carnoussi. He's like, oh, by the way, this is Hogan's Alley. So, of course, we take out the persimmon and try to rip a few shots with that <laughs> Out of, out of deference. Um, but overall, like, I think for a new seed, like, just the whole course itself um, was, was just so much fun to play around. And you know you're going to get your ass kicked, and that's okay. You're just out there to have a great match. And we did. It came down to the 18th hole, and Kyle Smith ripped a drive down the middle and ended up making a par to, to edge us out by one hole. Awesome day at Carnoustie, one of my favorites. Well, and, and the, the Hogan's Alley, like, hit it over the left out-of-bounds fence, and brilliant, like, that's my normal shot. <laughs> that was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, Carn everybody said, like, leaving, leaving uh, excuse me, leading up to Carnoustie is like, oh... Oh, that's the toughest. That's the toughest. And and we were getting it with 40 mile per hour winds or let's say like mid thirties constant gusts up to forties and, and beyond. Right. So anyway, um, but I was like, so John, John, real quick, there is that one section of the course back tucked by the pine trees where the railroad runs right by. It was dead quiet there. I felt like I was playing a little round in Minnesota for like three or four holes there. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. You're right. You're right. Well, um, you know, so some people know I can occasionally get competitive and especially if I'm playing in the same group as Matt Considine. Um, <laughs> and it was for the, it was for the championship. So, you know, we're playing and it needed to be at Carnasty and it, we needed to have 40 mile per hour wins and we, that needed to be the, the championship match. It was quite storybook, and I'll feed your intro here, build your moment up, but I'll feed it because, uh, you know, we had two pods, all of our 24 members split into old Tom and young Tom, and we played round robin matches the whole trip until we get to this moment. So there, there's the build up for you, John, JB. Well, the build up too, dude, like you didn't lose a match. And I was undefeated. I was undefeated. Yeah. But anyone, yeah. that knows, anyone that knows my game, I'm a little bit more like, like a Jordan Spieth or maybe even a Jordan Spieth is a compliment, probably more of a Bubba Watson, like just unpredictable, <laughs> makes a lot of birdies, up and down kind of guy. It was so fitting to get my ass kicked by you, John Ballou, at Carnoustie because many listeners will know Ben Hogan made that place famous when he got his grand slam, um, you know, winning at Carnoustie coming over after the car accident. And, uh, John, you, you, to me are like the precision of Ben Hogan, the, I'm going to outwork your ass. I am going to <laughs> get to the course early, warm up for an hour and 35 minutes. <laughs> I am going to hit my ball on a freaking line all day. And I'm going to, I'm going to know exactly where it is and I'll make like two more birdies than you will. And, and that'll be, it. it was, it was the perfect setting for you to take this thing down. And you did, man, you just grabbed the match by the horns and you were so solid. Like I, it was like impenetrable, you know, we'd, we'd kind of fall apart, but I'd come back with a birdie and he would, you know, drop one on top. And it was just the most frustrating match ever. But, um, it, it, on, on at Carnoustie under those elements, 
uh, playing a match with just some great friends. Like what an honor, honestly, it was just so yeah. much fun. It was so much fun. I, um, it was special, obviously just to, to have that and have that day. And, you know, that was even the first, the first round of the week that I had played, I think with Brian Ekstrom, who was my roommate all week. And we just like didn't match up. And then until finally playing that, that day. So that was fun. And then for, for me, then, then it was after Carnoustie that we went to dinner then at the new club and had a, had a great night and had the best whiskey of my life that, that night and tasting that stuff. And just, it, that was a special day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that, that, uh, that pro shop had no chance against us, by the way. We, we, we were going to, we were, we, the, the we were going to spend, helped, but man, uh, we cleaned out the new golf club for sure. You know, you know, new club has a pro shop too, guys. We got some care as well. You can buy in there. Um, that's we got. I'd say ten more minutes, and we got three. Actually, we talked about Jubilee a little bit, um, but the New and the Eden were the other ones in our Fife Rota. Um, Kings Barnes, right? Kings Barnes. You forgot about Kings Barnes. Forgot about. Go ahead. Tell us about Kings. Barnes. I I loved Kings. That Barnes. was the most hungover round ever. Like. <laughs> and and your best Blue. round, right, John? You shot. It was. I, I went under pot that day, but I almost puked on the bus. So I swear thought I was going to puke on him. So on the bus, you know, I, I tend to get motion sickness. So I'll just put it out there. So I like needed to sit in the front all week long. I just, I needed to be up there. But this morning going to King's Barnes, we had been out to like three or four, I think the night before. And I, I, Stuart and I both thought I was going to puke on him and um, finally got off the bus and teed it up and somehow went, got in the red that day. Yeah. I don't know. Beware, beware. The hungover goes. What did I shoot? I think I shot one or two under. Yeah. Nice, John. That's a beautiful golf course, though. And that, like, um, Kings Barnes is sort of, to me, it struck me as like kind of like the new money in town. Is that right? Uh, same developer as Castle Stewart. Yeah, um, where their whole little swag bag was honestly for me like a little bit over the top with like, but they, they know, actually it felt a little ostentatious to me. It felt a little Trumpish to me. I was like, oh, I love the scenery. I love the place. Um, I wish they would just kind of tone it down a little bit. It, it I, felt a little bit. It felt, it felt the most American of any of the courses that we. I I I love Kings Barnes, and not because Josh Brilliant told me he loved it too, because I will never agree with that motherfucker ever. Um, yeah. Objectively, the course itself, I think, is like the coolest, like some of the coolest land and like some of the best water holes that you'll. Yeah, but they didn't didn't have the traditional out out and in that most of the courses had. It was a little. Yeah, and and, and like you kind of know that it's new and it's like a little. I don't don't know how natural that land is versus constructed, but. It's also with that and the old or the two courses that you can always see on TV every single year because of the Dunhill. So like yeah. you guys that, you know, played Kings Barnes and loved it. Like I love watching that tournament every year because it takes me back and Kings Barnes is uh, nothing against the old, but you don't always know what hole someone's on when you're watching the old, when you see it on TV for Kings Barnes, you're like, Oh yeah, that's 16. <laughs> I remember that freaking hole. Yeah. I, 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 there was a lot of wind. Um, I think um, Castle Serbia is a very little wind. Uh, from what I remember. Um, but there was some strong wind in there and there was a little par three. I think it, 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 it was a Kings Barnes, a little par three. And uh, yeah, with the, uh, uh, the had brick wall, back, back yeah, trees and a little, a little stone wall and all that. 
and was that, uh, there was like a, the bound, it was like the left boundary of the course there. Yeah, yeah, and and it it, it, it was like playing, and and I'm not trying to compare it. It was like playing band in uh, when the wind's up like 40 miles an hour. It was like you had to hit four clubs extra to even get it to the green, and it was just brutal. And to hear that uh, Rory had, uh, you know, double bogey that hole or whatever at some point during the downhill was like, it was sort of gratifying. Pro, pro tip have- on that hole too, if it's the one I'm thinking of, you, um, uh, our caddy told us you can either go right onto the green or you can hit it like four to five yards left of the green and it'll bounce and feed all the way down into it and follow the, like, follow the contours of the green in there, which is like the definition of Scottish golf. It's like, yeah, you could... Of course, you could aim for the flag, but like the way cooler shot is to hit it way deeper. <laughs> I I really um, like I really like Kingsbarn. It was uh it was different. It Kings was, Barn, it, yeah, it was it was cool. The the cool thing um or an interesting point on Kingsbarn in our group. So it was um me, Kyle Smith, um Kent, and Dan Kaufman. And so of course Kent. He carried his own bag. That's fine. But we, me, Dan, and, and Kyle had caddies. So the three of us had caddies. We're like six, seven holes in. We might even have been close to making the turn. But And I think we were probably like seven or eight holes in. And um, Dan Kaufman's caddy, young young girl or young lady. And um, she had been pretty quiet all day. Not really saying much, but just observing. And I turned to her and I said, May, like, I have a hunch you're a pretty good player. And she just kind of smiled and didn't say anything again. And I was like, all right. I was like, what do you, what do you play to? And she plays plus, to a plus six, a plus, plus 10. Six. No, I'm not kidding you. A plus six. And she was on like the university team. She had just, I think she had just won the Irish uh, women's amateur like the week before. So here she is like watching us, you know, trying to hack it around this place. And uh, she's carrying Dan Kaufman's bag. And and then eventually Kaufman's like, can you hit this for me? Because, you know, like we know you're, <laughs> she's going to deliver the better result, but that was really cool to have such a player in our, in our group as a caddy. Yeah. Your, your one or two under didn't really stand no, up against actually, her. After, after the round, I was like, Hey, so um, if I practice really hard, can I come try out for your team? And she kind of <laughs> gave me a look like you wouldn't survive, dude. <laughs> I think we hit all of our courses well. We didn't talk about new course and Eden. I'll I'll throw in something on the new course. I think if you were to take the new course out of St. Andrews and put it on any of the other coasts or any of the other courses or anywhere in the world, you are talking about one of the greatest Lynx golf courses anywhere. anywhere. And, and because it's right next to the old, People don't talk about the new, but I played when I was in college, I played it a lot and, and it is every bit as challenging, I think, as the new, not as nuanced as the, the old, sorry, the, the, the old is more nuanced and has some more mystery to it, but the new is, is pretty righteous. Chris, what, what do you think? I'll just, well, Chris, I'm going to interrupt and just say biggest regret of my trip of the trip not playing it so that's that's it i didn't play it you guys take this biggest regret we we woke up we wake up way too fucking early to play that stupid course i mean and 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 by the way i love the new course it was chris i had a great time chris it was waking up at like whatever we did like 5 45 6 o'clock to walk out there and 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 talk about democratic no tea times first come first serve walk up there Put your name down, 
and get I, out there. Actually, now that you say it, yeah, the old is incredible that we can play the old and anybody can through that, that Democrat. The new is is also mind-boggling. Of course, that good doesn't even have tea times because you they have to you know support the old course and have the overflow that people that don't get on it. It's like that's that's wild. You that is the best golf course in Chicago if it's here, you know, obviously and, and it's I, golf so I think, well, what struck me, all you need to know about the new course. So our driver, Stewart, is epically connected in the golf world. He's played all the best courses multiple times. And he lives there, right in St. Andrews. And I asked him, okay, well, if you're just playing a match with your mates, like, what's your favorite course here? What's, and he said, the new course is the best test of golf. Old course is great. The new course is the best test of golf. And then we asked the same question again um, at, at the dinner um, at the new club. We said, Ronnie is like, you know, if you're just playing with your mates in a foursome on the weekend, which course are you picking? And that's okay if it's the old course, like that's, that's fine. He said, no, it's the new course. So it's, I, it's one of my favorite courses for sure. Um, and then it's clearly like two of the most respected names in local golf. That's their favorite in there as well. I think that's probably well, that's you, all, the, all the validation you need. You, you don't have 20 plus ciders in you at the vegan like Stuart did. <laughs> I mean, they close they closed the bar down at some point and said, yeah, it's a hotel bar. So like they have to like shut it down at some point at, at night. And um, you know, I wanted to have a whiskey and I think Baloo likes a little likes a little whiskey every now and then. Um and uh uh Stuart just said, serve them up. And it was like the, the 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 king of the world. He just said, "Serve him up." And um, I didn't even—I don't think I paid for that round. I think uh, Stu, Stu we definitely did care. not pay. I asked for it. I was like, "Whose tab does this go on?" He just was like, "Don't." Worry. It, there is no tab. Yeah, in the store. yeah. It just—it flows. <laughs> maybe edit this part out because like, like, like kind of set a range there that we don't necessarily need to publicize. Yeah, like my my like my friends will drink twenty natty lights or like some bush lights, and like Stuart's drinking like eight point whatever percent alcohol like ciders 20 of them at one sitting and i'm like how do you how, how is that physically possible that you can put that much liquid in your body and like not explode and he would just drop those cider like those sweet i don't know what the hell they were but i had one and i was like i was like oh my god what is this guy how does this guy drink this much? And he just had his little stool in the corner right at the bar and just everyone knew the guy. Yeah, he's, he's one of the kings of St. Andrews for sure. He's just an epic legend of man and he's just an awesome person just generally. Like he's um, clearly got a lot of connects but you never know it. Just oh, yeah. It. But I mean, I mean, he's driving back, back, to the, back to the new course real quick and just what it is. Man, I'm not sure when this is actually going to air but um, for folks who are either in or near Scotland and are, you know, going to be at St. Andrews, like absolutely try to get on the new course, like as soon as you can, especially if you can do it while the grandstands are still up. We got some awesome views as they're coming in, but it's right next to the old course. You get amazing views over there. Plus the, the advantage of being like right there by the sea. And um, it, to me, it's just one of the best overall golfing experiences that you can have. And, and it's a playable course. It's a fair course. It's going to just show you what it is. You're not going to get these, backward rooted holes John shot with hidden bunkers that you hate uh it's going to be just you see it you get, know what it is and it's, it's the perfect course for a match did anybody uh on this trip play eden i know chris and i shared 
nine holes on the no evening. you you or the castle no one played oh, uh kent played the castle um after um he he got stuck there his covid vacation right yes yeah, one vacation. of our two we were lucky we were you well, know, your dad I, your I think, dad <laughs> i think what i'll always remember, i think what i always remember is that we had eight people get on the old course right that that are from the bout system but we had all 24 and a plane, which was a miracle in itself. The other miracle was that only two of us got stuck in the country with COVID. The rest of us got out. I, I don't know how the 22 got out okay, but I tested positive when I got home. I had to quarantine away from the family. That was a challenging couple of days. But uh, yeah, we we definitely were blessed, probably by Stuart. I think Stuart yeah, kind of gave us the... Wait, wait, wait. How, I, think the, how did, I think the other thing, though, that, that was ridiculously fortunate was just the weather. We had- no, no, no. How did, Chris, how did Chris Wang not get COVID? That's what that's what I want to know. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying I'm not, it. He tested every day. We were texting every day, and I was like, I have COVID. Kent had COVID. And, and Ekstrom did not get it. And, and both, you know, he had had it more recently, I think just back in February, March. I had had it back in December. So, you know. I think it was I just think, one of those things. Like we, we I don't think need to make alcohol. Cold. This does not need to be a COVID cast. This is a Scotland cast, not a that's COVID right. cast. That's right. Scotland, you're right. Um, so that's, that, let's talk about, uh, I was going to say the Eden, and, and I'll give you another intro. This is <laughs> Humble Pie Considine over here. I want everyone to listen and remember this. Uh, my friend, Chris Wong, we, we, we played uh, Jubilee together, and we had a great match out there. Um, we're on the bus headed back, and it, yeah, that, was, that was with your dad as well, right? That That's was right. Dan Kaufman, yeah. Bill Constantine, myself. It was just a great, great, match, great deal. It was a windy day, and it was kind of one of those tiresome 18s. And, um, you know, we're all headed back, and and someone planted the seed of like, man, it'd be nice to play a little bit more golf. I think it was you. I'm sure it was. You psycho. And uh, and so you talked me into going to the Eden, and I was like, oh, sweet. We're going to play all, you know, all of them across the board. Uh, at least the Lynx Trust is St. Andrews. So you lured me, and this is my first time calling this out. You lured me into a bullshit match. You, you, you told me we're playing 18. So I have in my, in my competitive little brain here, I have 18 holes on the docket, right? He blitzcrags me out the front. He wins one, two, three, and four, I believe. I tie five. And then all of a sudden, I'm four down. And he says, Hey, uh, I'm just playing nine. I I, I gotta. No, 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 no. I don't, I'm running out of gas. I don't like revisionist history happening right now. I, <laughs> I, I think it was on hole two that I said it. Okay, two. And I think it was two. on hole two. Yeah, I, I was only one up. I would I would not personally do that. I, I would feel shitty if I was like already about to close your out and be like, oh, let's just wrap this up. No, I I, I think it was hole two. I think I was uh, pushed my drive right, and then you were in the fairway. I'm like, okay, it's fine, but. Man, in all in all honesty, I was just feeling gas. And I was like, <laughs> I I'm not gonna that. have this back nine. Can can you just can you describe pub index for everyone on the call? Like what is the pub index? Can you can you like give us the mathematical formula for pub index? Um yeah, I don't know that there's anything too scientific about it, but basically it's um, you know, the, the better you play on the golf course. Plus, the more fun you are out of homes, the later you stay out, the whatever it is, the, the jovialness, embracing the spirit and the spirits of St. Andrews to the fullest, uh, that all combines to your pub index. Um, but it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's not just your golf game. It's not just 
how much you drink. It's just like, you know, it's, are you, are you feeling it? Like, and uh, I, I, I was barely ever hung over though, to be honest. I was like, who, um, who had the lowest pub index? Let's just put it on the record. Yeah, uh, it was Chris, and the number two was Ekstrom, and number three was Kyle, and number four was probably a combination of between me. Oh, and by the way, I want to be very clear: I was twenty years older than Kyle, ten years older than all you other bastards who went out. The pub. <laughs> so let's let's just be clear: I should I should get some extra points think, for being the oldest. What's the, the what's the pub what's the pub index equivalent of moving up a tee? Is that like like starting without a shot or? <laughs> Oh, and and uh, one one other thing. We let you go to bed before the last two rounds. <laughs> Four shots. You, you get to go to bed. Yeah. Um, can you explain Pound Town to, to all of us uh, listeners or Pound Land? I I I I thought it was a no, mis- no, we need to go there. It was just a missed marketing opportunity for the people of the United Kingdom that they called uh, their you know we have dollar stores they have Pound Lands like come on folks it's Pound Town what are we doing? They've been Pound Town. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Swindle for being uh, the Pound Town King at uh, Kings Barnes. He uh, hit some ridiculous drives, um, and we called him the, the Pound Town King. Oh, on the story of the pound, I thought I thought that um, the story that Ronnie told about when he plays yes. match Banks was very telling. Awesome. Of, it's so definitive of Scottish versus American golf, and. You know, there was all these titans of industry coming across to play, and they're like, how much you want to gamble for? It was like, oh, 10,000 a hole. Mm, well, let's do 15. Oh, let's do, let's do 20. And then Ryan says, well, hey, you guys are all fucking billionaires, literally. Let's just play for a billion, make it actually matter to you, you know? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. It's like, but the point is that that's not what competition and what golf is about whatsoever. And what Ronnie was telling us is they play for one pound, they play a NASA, one pound for the front, one pound for the back, one pound for the overall. And then at the end of the match, you look your, your, your competitor straight in the eye and you say, well played, good match, here's your pound, and you're off. So that to me was so symbolic of just like the big difference between American golf and Scottish golf. It's not about the money, it's not about how exclusive or expensive your club is, it's just about the spirit of the game and the competition. That's that's really really well said, Chris. Because um, as we're talking tonight, I, I actually hadn't thought about this. Man, it's like funny how memories get triggered, right? As you're having conversations, and that brings up to me growing up one of the most Scottish rounds of golf that I ever had. Growing up, I didn't belong to like country club or anything. My parents would literally just like drop me off at the local like community golf course. I would just go play with whoever I could, and that was that. And yeah, I think Constantine was the only country club kid here. I don't even know that. So that's <laughs> well, and so I guess what I was going to say is like what one of the most Scottish rounds that I've ever had in my life, and I it didn't dawn on me until now was I got paired up with probably. At the time, I was, you know, in probably like 14 years old, let's say, and I was paired up with uh, a 60 year old guy. I'll just call it, say he was approximately 60 years old and we're playing. He kind of asked me like what I normally shot and he's like, all right, well, let's play a little match. And we just played match play the whole time. And he's like, we'll play for we'll play for a Coke. And if uh, and if I beat you, I'll still buy you the Coke. And at the end of the round, it was me, 14-year-old kid, and this older gentleman. We played a match, 
And I think I might've ended up beating him. But then after the round, we sat in the little, you know, the little clubhouse there and he bought me a Gatorade or whatever. And that was that. And like, it's moments like that, that really actually kind of like start connecting the dots to now the feeling you had when you were playing and playing in Scotland. And, John, and, and shout out to the shout out to the muni golfer kids who all know the trick of the collect call. And when they say say your name, you say mom, pip, pip, pip. Absolutely. But yeah, that was the, that was the days of just getting dropped off and you know, walking down the block to get a burger at McDonald's and then you know, going hitting some balls and then trying to play on the course, you know. And but yeah, that was there's just a, a memory that kind of stood out to me. And it's Chris that 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 kind of had that same feel of the way the competition is out there. Well, and and, and when we were at the Bev, and I think Chris got on the camera, Posey Posey waxed me on the 17th and 18th hole, and um, I gave him two pounds because uh. I took the front and he took the back end total. So it was it was a lot of fun just to be able to have a two pound coin in my bag to hand over to him. It was fun. It was it was really cool. I think I think what I learned from the competition element of Scotland is like uh I used to hate to lose, you know, when I was like younger and only like a couple years younger, but I used to like hate to lose and it was that tr- avoidance of of that feeling. But now I, I truly just love to compete and, and it's the only thing that ever lets me down is if, if it's not competitive, meaning that, you know, people aren't into the match that you're, you're, you're trying your best, you're giving it all and uh, you're accepting the outcome, you know, and, and it really, I, p- people, um, we all get there, I think eventually, but it's true. I, I felt the same satisfaction getting my, ass kicked by both Chris and John it, it because it was because we competed because we 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 put ourselves out there and we played for a pound you know and it was it was just um I think I think it's my strong conviction and I've learned it from Scotland and Ireland is that uh healthy competition is fantastic for the human spirit and but it's got to be healthy it can't be you know uh, about all the the money. It can't be about the antagonizing. It can't be about superiority. It really truly has to be healthy, which means here's the rules of the game. Here's what we're setting out to do. Here are the handicaps. Go compete. And if you do that, uh, everybody leaves with a smile. And I think that's like a core principle of, of New Club because you know it comes directly from them. That's what they do. I, I would say that, you know, I, I joined New Club in 2020. And it's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that match play is the ultimate form of golf. It really is. There's way in America, there's way too much of a focus on stroke play. And what did you shoot? And what is it that in relation to par and your handicap and all these things. And that just should not matter. Um, match play is to me, the most pure, pure form of golf. Um, and more people in the U S need to get on board for it. And I would also tack onto that, that, that is true, Chris. And also the handicap system works. If you're like truthful to the handicap system and you enter your scores and then you, you use that to then apply that to your match to make a fair game between different, you know, calibers of players. 
I, I cannot tell you how many times my match goes down to the 17th hole, the 18th hole, when you're playing a scratch golfer versus a 14 handicap. And you're like, how the handicap system works and it makes match play so much more fun. Just ask That's Kevin Moore. Like two years doing it. 100%. It, it's always down to 16, 17, 18. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just ask Kevin Moore playing his dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A plus what? Wow. Plus two versus a 27 probably. <laughs> yeah. He's getting like two, three strokes. Oh. So good. So good. God, Kevin was so bad. 18. Uh, I don't know. I think Kevin got waxed, uh, to be honest. Um, and he was furious. Uh, I, I don't know if he was in there or if it was just a handicap. No, I think it was at Jubilee. He was at Jubilee. He, uh, he, uh, was very, um, uh, let's give a shout out to Chucky for, uh, <laughs> we'll check the record and see Chucky's we'll the wrap up there. Yeah. Um, oh, so can we, t- can we tell one, um, sort of rated x story about chucky so josh and i i forgot which club it was we were we we're josh was in stall one and there was three stalls so i took stall three and uh chucky rolls in and and uh, takes stall two because it's the only one available um and he said i i guess you guys left the uh big dick um <laughs> stall for, for me <laughs> and josh and i died laughing died um it was probably one of the funniest moments of my life. Top five for sure. Um, and Chucky just rolled in and said, Hey, uh, I guess you have left middle stall for a big dick. And, uh, we laughed and, uh, we, we had to tell Kevin because it's his dad. And, um, Kevin got all red and was embarrassed to death. And we said, we loved it. And it was hilarious. It was so funny to hear old man Chuck just roll into the bathroom drop install two and uh lay that line down on us and just let us laugh and it was that was probably one of the, my favorite moments of the whole trip was just not on the golf course just chuck being chuck and uh watching his son just be embarrassed to death it was <laughs> classic it was just classic how you get to know a group over a 10-day <laughs> period is uh so that's we we did this on every other pod, and we'll round it out with this final thing, which is um, two course questions, and we'll stick to Fife if that's okay with everybody. But yeah. um, just these courses that we talked about in Fife, what is one that you would play every day for the rest of your life? If someone said, "Hey, you get to be a member of this course and play it every single day," uh, what's that course? And then also, if someone came to you and said, "Hey, you're dying next week, and you get one more round of golf." What, what course would that be? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. John Chung, I, I'm with you on the everyday course. It's Ely. I would play Ely every day for us of my life and be a very, very happy person. Um, my last round is probably the old, and it goes back to my comments of figuring it out. I, th- I feel like if I was dying next week and I was playing the old course, it'd be an epiphany. I'd be like, aha, this is how it's done. But those are my two. What do you guys think? Matt, I, I'll agree with you. Ely every day. Uh, if I was dying, um, one caveat though, um, Kyle Ekstrom, brilliant with our caddies again to recreate that moment. That would be that would be mine on the old. Mark, I'm actually going to go the opposite. I would play the old every day, and if I had one course to play, it would probably be Ely in in Fife, just because. The old you could play. I just feel like oh, just millions and millions of times and never really get it. And that's what that's what like 
that's what I would love to do. But Ely, just being out there was spiritual, just seeing the cliffs, seeing the, 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 just the beauty out there would, would just be a, a really good way to like leave earth. <laughs> John blue. Uh, you're muted. I'm muted. Sorry. Uh, it's funny because the courses are the same for me. It, you know, the two that stand out are Ely and the old course. Um, and Mark, I think I'd actually have to go with you. Play it every day, dude. The old course is fun. It's interesting. It's intriguing. There's just so much there. You could play it every day and never get tired of it. And the, the same is true for Ely. Let's be honest. But um, to just have that like uh, very serene setting of Ely, that kind of feeling of it is heavenly, right? I think actually I, I might have even uh, maybe this was Brewer, but it could have been Ely. It's like it's like the uh, line in Field of Dreams. Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. And Ely had that feel. Is this heaven? No, it's Ely. And um, and I think that was kind of maybe the one course if I could just play and kind of send my way off. Maybe Ely, but every day play old. It's so intriguing. Chris, I, I think the, I think you summed it well there because. Uh, John, you and I played Burr together, and I tend to think of these courses in terms of where would I want to be a member? Where, where would I, if I was living in Scotland or if I had a home over there, where would I want to be? Brewer is my number one. And if I'm going to get a vacation home or whatever, that's, that's the place I'm going to go and want to play uh, on a regular basis. Within, within Fife, it's certainly Ely. That whole experience, the course is amazing, of course, but then the people are even better and the, the community there something special i think that's probably i maybe maybe the rna has that going and like maybe if you were like a member there and like played the new course a ton you'd get that over time but the fact that it's so um right there and the the membership is so special there that's the place where i would want to want my club championship to be uh and play every day and then yeah matt like you said I, you have to have your last round of the course and then kill me there Cremate me and sprinkle my ashes under the bridge. I, I will. I will. I will make one point about Brora. I thought Chris. I got, thought Chris was not going to leave that place. I was trying to get folks on the bus, and Chris is out hanging with the locals and the dogs. <laughs> and I was worried that, was that like, I was not going to be able guy. to get people on the bus. <laughs> Brora's adopted son, Chris Christopher. Brora. Brora. <laughs> Chris, Chris, that Brora. round we had at at Brora just. I think everybody had the same experience in their, in their group. Right. Of just like, I felt like I was on another planet. Um, and the most tranquil of places. Right. I think the greatest photo that I took the entire trip was at Brora and it was of a sheep and it was of a sheep standing on a hill and in the sunset in the background that was the best trip i or best picture i took I out of hundreds that. yeah and that and, and that was Bora, man like yeah you know, you guys are really screwing up my uh, my organization. <laughs> these, these trees. Everyone already listened to the Highlands, but I think it hammers on the point that you got to get to the Highlands too. It's not just St. Andrews. I mean, I, I sent my wife the video of this old couple that was just walking on the course, right? At Brora, next to the, next to the Highland uh, cows with the shaggy shit and the horns and just... And I said, 
babe, we, we, we got to do this. We got to retire here and just walk the course and just not play golf and just walk and um, be part of the community. And um, it didn't hit me, like I said, until like Ely where, you know, Ely, Ely opened my eyes, but looking back, it was like, Oh shit. Like these, this old couple is just hanging out at the Brewer golf course, walking in the middle of the fucking fairway. And that's what we want. We should be, we should be that couple. Um, but, spending but our time. After, the cool thing about Scotland is that that also happens on the old course. Yeah, it's crazy, it's right? Around there, and I, I think it was when we were at dinner in New Club, and I was looking down at the first tee there, and I was thinking, "Man, that is that is the the spot in Scotland that that's for golf. Like that is it, the first tee there." And then you imagine, like, how different is that? I, I don't even know. Like, maybe you say the first tee at Augusta is like the same as as that in America is the equivalent, or maybe the first at Cypress Point or Pine Valley. And you can't even see those places. But in Scotland, it's right there. It's public ground. Anybody can walk it. You can bring your dog there. You can walk there any time of night. It's not behind a gate or a fence. It's just there for everyone. And that's the coolest thing. That's the coolest thing. Amen, brother. Amen. I think that's the spot to wrap it up, gentlemen. I uh, a cheers to Scotland, a cheers to St. Andrews, and a cheers to Stuart and you, gentlemen, and sharing these memories with you. Thanks for uh, for coming on and, and reliving it. This was uh, this was fun. Cheers. Today's episode of The Backdrop was brought to you by our partners and friends, True Temper, Golf Blueprint, and this July's official partner of the summer medal in Northern Michigan, Journeyman Distillery. Journeyman Distillery has been distilling artisan spirits for over a decade now in their historic Featherbone factory located in the one-stop light town of Three Oaks, Michigan. They are grain to bottle and certified organic, kosher, gluten-free, and award-winning whiskeys. Check them out over at Journeyman Distillery on all social and journeymandistillery.com. Distillery.com.